0: Joe Burrow, that offense, even this defense that's been sneaky good all year, is gonna get their first championship in God knows how long. Um, Nineteen eighty-eight, I think. Yeah, like th- this franchise has been without sec- uh, success for so long, um, and I-, I think this team is the one that's gonna deliver. Uh, just the vibe around this team is too good, and I got the Bengals winning. I Believe I had 32 thirty-two twenty-eight. I think it's gonna be an amazing game we
1: All right, welcome to the 24th episode of the Gridiron podcast. Your host, Colin tonight, as uh, well, not as usual. I missed last week's pod. Uh, joined tonight by my good friend Evan. Well, How you had you? some
2: extenuating circumstances last week. Happy
1: okay. to have you back. It's a pleasure to be back. And Dan, who hosted my spot, sounded like you did a terrific job. I well, thank you. <laughs> and no Newman this week. So, uh, <laughs> we're door of where's he again? Trivia Nights? That's right. <laughs> Trivia Nights. <laughs> <laughs> Hope you win some money. <laughs> Northeastern's offering four credits for bingo. <laughs> uh, all right. So this is our Super Bowl preview episode. So we're going to recap Bengals season, Rams season. Then we're going to give you our Super Bowl picks, coach grades for all the hirees. All nine spots have been filled. And uh, and then we'll get out of here. So let's start off. What do you have up first at Bengals?
2: I got Bengals up right, right. now
1: run um, us through the schedule. So I'll
2: run us through their schedule and then if anybody wants to interject uh if they if it was a game that they remember that stood out to them, you know, feel free to do so. So Bengals week 1. I was here for, uh, for this game Minnesota yeah. Cincinnati. I would say to
1: this game real quick. This was uh the game that really just set off Minnesota's streak of like 10 straight wicked close game losses.
0: <laughs> yes. Dan, you got any note on that one? Do you not that? really. Um, I know for me, this was kind of uh, a shocker. Um, not, not so much a shocker, I guess, actually. But, like, I really didn't expect uh, Cincinnati to be in this game. I just uh, – coming into the year, I did not ha- – I wasn't high on Cincinnati. So, this was kind of the first game, I guess, that made me be surprised about the Cincinnati Bengals.
2: Yeah, it was funny. Do you remember I th- this? I had money on this game. Do you remember that? I had money yeah, on I the can. Bengals.
0: I think I had the Bengals
1: the highest – record and they were seven and 10 out of all four of us. So I don't think any of us were
2: quite, no, quite high on them. Absolutely not. Uh, so then week two for the Bengals, they traveled to soldier field in Chicago and took a 20 to 17 loss to the bears in week two. Um, again, like I said, if anyone wants to interject, go I don't forward. even remember that game uh, week three, uh, the Bengals uh, traveled to Heinz field and they beat Pittsburgh 24 to 10. Uh, week four, Cincinnati won at home, 24-21 to 21 against the Jaguars. So, close game, only won by three against the Jags in week four. Obviously, Urban Meyer still there. I'm sure you guys will have something to say about this game, though. Week five, Packers, Bengals, um, 25-22. I believe this one went to overtime. It's a game they should have won.
0: Yeah, um, this was actually, I remember, this was my focus game. And I said, um, if Cincinnati was able to win this, they could be a real threat in AFC. Mm-hmm. turns out they were a real threat, regardless, even though but they yeah. lost. Um, it, just funny looking back, I remember being in the car watching, like, what was it, five or four missed field goals in a row? Five. Just crazy, crazy game. And it's kind of weird looking back how they are two and three after this game, and probably a lot of us were like, oh, no, they're not, they're not that real. They're in the Super Bowl. Just weird.
2: Yeah, and Green Bay isn't, who was probably the favorite Mm -hmm. by that point. Cincinnati, I mean, who would have thought Cincinnati would win three playoff games to get to the Super Bowl, and, and Green Bay would win zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My quick thing on this game is I remember Evan McPherson when he missed that field goal. He jumps up into his center's uh, arms, and he's celebrating like he made the field goal. Yeah. Does anyone remember, remember that? Yeah, it was yeah. so close. And now we'll get kind of the hero that he is. I think that's funny. Um, week six for the Bengals, traveled to Ford Fier- Field in Detroit, beat the Lions pretty handedly,
0: 34-11. Uh, to 11. Uh, I just want to interject. Five- I remember you posted an audio clip. Of this game, we all yes, thought this would be a trap, trap game. game. Yeah. All, yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, just walked all over them. Yeah, they did. Wow. I
2: forgot about that. Yeah. Wow. Good tidbit, Dan. Week seven, uh, this was kind of the Jamar Chase game, right? The first uh, chase game, really. That the the biggest the biggest game that he had had to this point. Uh, when the Bengals beat the Ravens, forty-one to seventeen, in Baltimore, we just I'm sure spat we all on that.
1: them. Spat on them in that game.
2: Yeah, chase that big spin move to yeah. get free. I mean, just awesome stuff. But then the next week, they lost thirty-four to thirty-one to the Jets at MetLife. That's yeah, Mike White that? game. The Mike, Mike White, White game. game. Yep. Uh, so then after that, they got squashed by Nick Chubb uh, in the Browns, forty-one to sixteen, at home. A couple very ugly losses. You're probably off the Bengals train by now. Yep, and then week 10 was a bye for them. So two tough losses against obviously non-playoff teams. Come back week 11, they beat the Raiders 32 to 13 at Allegiant Stadium. Week 12, they crushed Pittsburgh 41 to 10 at home. Week 13, this was an interesting game uh, against the Chargers 41 22. The Chargers won this game. If I remember correctly, was it the that the Bengals were up big or in the Chargers? It was the other
0: way around. It was the Chargers got up big early, and the Bengals started to make a comeback, but there just wasn't enough time. Gotcha. And then week 14,
2: this was a great game. Uh San Francisco beat Cincinnati from Paul Brown Stadium 26 to 23 in overtime. That was I don't a
1: remember game. that one.
2: Um week 15. You know, I I remember this game. It was, just, it was just it was a weird game because Denver was favored in this game. Yeah. And it, which kind of surprised me. It, it, 15 to 10, the Bengals beat the Broncos. And then this to me was kind of where their season took off. Uh, as crazy as that sounds. Week 16, they beat Baltimore 41 to 21 at home. Week 17, 34 to 31 against Kansas City. Obviously, that game was insane. And then they did lose, obviously, week 18, 21-16 of the Browns, but they did not have Burrow, Mixon, Burrow. Mixon.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So, what? interesting. What an up-and-down year. for. I was just going to
1: say that. Absolutely
0: up-and-down. I mean, if you kind of just look at the team, like how quickly they were able to rebuild it, it makes sense how up-and-down they were. Like, this is a team that really didn't know how to win and it was kind of just adapting on the fly. Like, you do have to learn how to win in the NFL, and they were able to figure it out towards the end. I mean, if you're playing your best ball at the end of the season, that's the team that's going to make the Super Bowl. And it's probably no surprise that they're here.
1: I mean, they've won five, really five in a row with their starters playing, if you exclude the Cleveland game week 18. And, you know, to me what's been most impressive in the playoffs is they've won a number of different ways. Some games have been mixing heavy and relying on the defense. Other games, Burroughs had really efficient games. Like the nine-sack game, to win, giving up nine sacks is – spectacular i mean the defense forced a lot of turnovers in that game they stifled derrick henry so they found different ways to win which is why i think they have a legit chance this weekend against the la rams
0: yeah so before you go ahead dan i was gonna say um i agree and i'll get into it later because i do have some notes about my pick um but i mean just all three phases cincinnati has just been continuously improving each week and we kind of see with the Green Bay Packers. When you don't have all three phases kind of hitting all cylinders, you're going to lose. I mean, Green Bay, as good as they were offensively and defensively all year, special teams ruined it in the end when one of those – when the offense couldn't pick it up. Um, So, for Cincinnati, all three phases, I mean, it's a very good year.
2: As I noted while I was doing the recaps, like, for me, it was almost like the Bengals season didn't really start until week 16. I think that game against Baltimore where Joe Burrow threw for 500 yards was the first game where people were like – okay, they got to take this team seriously. Well, they took first place with that game. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it was the next game, Kansas City. I don't think any of us took Cincinnati in that game. I think I, I did. I could be wrong. I mean, oh, oh yeah, 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 I think you did. Yeah. Um, so that was another interesting one where it was like, I still wasn't sold yet. And then they beat the Chiefs and that, that magic to win the division. I'm like, okay, uh, like this is starting to get real. And I, I bring up Joe Burrow because it was interesting because in our league, he was a free agent in fantasy football. All season long, I had I had drafted him in, in our league, and he was a free agent up until that Baltimore game in week 16, and th- at least in our league. And it was kind of insane because he was just sitting on the wire, and then he kind of goes insane late in the year. Um, and, it, it, you know, Dan brought up a good point. It's like this team really got momentum towards the end of the year, and that late-year magic is, I think, why they are where they are right now. For sure. Uh, I don't know if anybody has anything else to say on the Bengals. Thank you. Summarize that well, Evan. Thank you, I sir. Agree. So we'll head over to the Rams. Um, so firstly, I mean, real quick side note, the Chicago Bears played the Rams week one and the Bengals week two. So we got to figure out who they play week one and week two next season. So maybe we can kind of <laughs> early predict the Super Bowl. Uh, Rams beat the Bears uh, 34 to 14 in week one. Uh, the Rams beat the Colts 27 to 24 at Lucas Oil in week two. Um, week three, they also beat Tampa Bay and Tom Brady 34 to 24. I that remember that mean, win.
1: What? I, I felt like that was a pretty convincing win for them. Tom Brady threw for like 450 yards, and they were yeah. still able to hold them at 24.
0: Yeah, I remember I was coming into the year high on the Rams, um, <laughs> and that was kind of the game that, like, at least made me feel like, yeah, this is legit. Like this team will actually do something. And I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into a portion of their schedule where we all back off of the Rams. But we'll, yeah,
2: right. So week four was an interesting one. It was the game I don't, none of us, picked. I think we all picked LA. That's what I, and then the next yeah. time we all picked Arizona, Correct. and LA won. <laughs> Correct. It was week four from SoFi, and the Cardinals handedly beat LA 37 to 20. Yep. I believe there was a big game from James Connor in that one. Uh week five, the uh, the Rams bounce back. They beat Seattle. That was a game Russell Wilson got hurt in. I watched that Thursday oh, night football. Yep. Yeah. They so
1: probably lose that game if it's not for Tyler Lockett slipping and falling and uh Geno Smith throwing that pick. Was yep. Lockett it, it was a questionable PI because it did look like Lockett kind of got knocked into a little bit. And by the time Geno had thrown it, Lockett was on the ground and uh at that point, it was 23-17. So Seattle was trying to uh you know manage a game-winning drive potentially. And uh, the pick was huge, kicked a field goal to give them the two possession lead and they held on, but that could have been a big turning point. Like you lose that game yeah.
2: back to, to back. a backup
1: quarterback in the division.
2: You know. Yep, it's a good point. Week six, Rams beat the Giants 38 to eleven. This is kind of when they got into their easy part of the schedule. I think it gave yeah. them some momentum. Uh, during the middle of the year, uh, then they beat the Lions twenty-eight to nineteen. They beat the Texans thirty-eight to twenty-two. Uh, this is where it kind of hit a rough patch. Week nine, Tennessee. This was a game where Rams were heavily favored, and uh, Tennessee went into so five, beat them. Kevin Byard picked six uh, in that game twenty-eight to sixteen. Didn't Stafford throw back-to-back pick sixes in that game, or like something
0: Ooh, like pick that? Sixes, yeah, something. Yeah, it was bad.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah, the Tennessee defense was stifling. I do remember that. And then week 10, uh, 31 to 10, the Niners won. Embarrassing Monday night loss. That was
1: bad.
0: Yeah.
2: Then they went to their bye, came out of the bye, traveled to Lambeau, lost 36 to 28. It was a pretty high scoring game to the Packers. Um, came back week 13 in a matchup against the Jags, won that one 37 to 7. Week 14. As Colin noted earlier, we all picked Arizona in this game, and uh, the Rams won this game 30 to 23 on the road. Week 15 20 to 10 win against Seattle. Week 16 30 to 23 win against Minnesota. And then this week 17 matchup was an interesting one from Baltimore 20 to 19. That game I thought they might they, they should maybe have lost lose.
1: because that Baltimore went for two.
0: That's
2: right. And I think
0: Stafford yeah. put, like, shit in this game. Yeah. This Stafford was took like
2: three picks or something. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, this was, like, a three- to four-game stretch the Rams at the end of the season that made me very nervous of them in the playoffs because, like, they just weren't playing good. Like, they were winning games, but they are just playing awful, on offense at least. What and I was going to
1: say – so, I thought you were done, Dan. No, nah, you could go. Um, But, no, I was thinking the same thing. But also, like, hearing Evan read this out compared to the Bengals, all I can think about is consistency. Like, the Rams were consistently winning football games, whereas the Bengals, you win two, you lose two, win one, lose one, like, up and down, up and down. The Rams seem to have had a very consistent regular season. Even if their play
2: wasn't consistent,
1: the uh, the outcome was.
2: Yeah. I don't think, like, it's off of that point, Colin. I don't think the Rams would have lost to the Jets this season, you know. No. There's not a chance. At least I don't see it. I think the Bengals, yeah, they lost them. I just don't think the Rams probably would have
1: a Mike White Jets, though. Who knows? <laughs> I know.
2: And then Week eighteen, and and kind of what Dan said. I, you know, this was kind of a tough stretch for the Rams. They were up, I believe, seventeen nothing in this game, uh, and then choked it away, twenty seven to twenty four in Week eighteen against San Francisco, where the Niners had to win to keep their playoff hopes alive. Um, so that is the Rams season and, and Stafford really like for me, Stafford had some re- like some really bad games. And I know Dan, that's why you didn't pick him against Tampa Bay. I thought it was a very like fair point because uh, he really wasn't all that impressive. Uh, you know, he was a top 10 quarterback for sure. Uh, I think I had him at six, but he threw a lot of interceptions. And I think it, it has some cause for concern.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um... I I just got a bad vibe in that Tampa game. And and I mean, even look at the second half, he didn't play that well. Um, For as good as he was and as high as I was on him coming into the year in this Sean McVay offense, um, it just seemed at times he was uncomfortable. Um, And that's going to happen when you're in a new offense. Um, In that offense, I mean, a lot of big plays. Um, They took a lot of shots down the field with his arm. Um, So some interceptions were bound to happen. But it just seemed like a lot of stuff he was trying to force. And maybe, again, new system, you're uncomfortable. You're going to force some passes. Um, I mean, in the end, he's in the Super Bowl. So can't really complain.
1: I mean, to me, Stafford's season, again, I would define it as up and down, right? He had Mm -hmm. a fucking amazing start, then some bad games. And then he had some very, very good games in there. With some very, very bad ones. I don't know what Stafford we're gonna get on Sunday. I would expect it to be good. I think both both I think this game is gonna be so fucking close. Like it's It's I think it's a very good matchup. Yeah.
2: It's been the theme of the playoffs. Every game's felt close. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. one more quick thing to note about the Rams. For me, the reason why I believe that they're here was the Von Miller trade and the OBJ signing. I don't think if they get both of those players, they're not here. No way. OBJ's been amazing for them.
0: We also got to look at the timing. They got OBJ like Robert Woods tore his ACL or Achilles, whichever it was. It was perfect timing for the Rams to maybe like it wasn't because he just came in when that injury happened, not like a cause like three days later. Yeah, and it's like you get a guy like that to replace Robert Woods down the stretch. That that's huge. It's not some guy off the like it is a guy off the street, but it's not Joe Schmo uh, that hasn't been in cleats like the, the entire season. I mean, it's OBJ like. That was a great thing for the Rams. Want to get
1: them for free.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, I know. So it's kind of those
2: in-season moves, right, that, that can really make a difference, and it did for the Rams. Uh, not to get too off topic, but I do think this is kind of funny, and we'll bring it up maybe on Clubhouse, but in the draft tonight, Kevin Durant passed on James Harden and took Rudy Gobert instead, uh, and LeBron and all of them were laughing at him. I just thought that that was funny. <laughs> uh for not his former teammate yeah we'll get into that later uh but yeah i mean that's kind of the seasons for both these two teams both interesting both with ups and downs but here here we are
1: score predictions for sunday
0: i could go first um so kind of like i said uh the bengals this season all three phases they've just continuously uh, been improving um And something about this Bengals team, at least for me, that I've noticed is like, no matter what the stage is, no matter what the score is, this team is pretty calm under pressure. It's like no moments too big. And playing in the Super Bowl, a lot of teams kind of get like stage fright, maybe get a little nervous. I don't think that that's this Bengals team. I think they're ready for the challenge. They're going up against a Rams team in their own stadium. The lights are going to be bright. It's Hollywood. And I think Joe Burrow, that offense, even this defense that's been sneaky good all year is going to get their first championship in God knows how long. Um, 1998, I, I think. Yeah, like th- this franchise has been without sec- uh, success for so long. Um, and I-, I think this team is the one that's going to deliver. Uh, just the vibe around this team is too good. And I got the Bengals winning, I believe I had 32-28. I, I think it's going to be an amazing game.
1: I'll go next. Um, Dan, I agree. Uh, I think the Penguins win this game too. It just feels like it's got that like Red Sox 2018 feel where like they just seem destined to win, you know, and it's, everybody's rooting for them. I think a lot of people around the country were rooting for the Red Sox that year. They were so fun to watch. Mookie was electric, like Mookie and Burrow. They're like the swaggiest dudes on the field, best dudes off the field, absolute superstars. Um, I think the Bengals do win this game. I think I'm going to go 34-31 on another game-winning McPherson kick. It's just going to be so close. I feel bad rooting against Matt Stafford because uh, I really think he's well-deserving of a championship at some point in his career. But it just seems like it's this young and fresh Cincinnati team's year. And to me, like, if you lose the Super Bowl as the Rams – it's like, were all those fucking draft picks we traded worth it not to win? Like, they have no future. Absolutely no future in, in the draft. So, I don't know. I think there's a lot riding on this game for each team's future.
2: Definitely. Um, I said around week eight, I think it was. Um, I said – let's get the, uh, the Bengals the hell out of the top 10. They're not a top 10 team. Anybody remember that? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, Yeah. I had
1: them in the top 10. Um,
2: yeah. So I feel bad for saying that because late in the year, they really picked it up. I really, really was impressed with Joe Burrow against Baltimore against Kansas city, uh, really in all these playoff games. Um, The receivers seem to kind of have fit into roles where I think they're all super comfortable in. I think Chase obviously has that potential to go off for, you know, 200 yards. I think T. Higgins is capable of a monster game. He's really stapled himself in as the number two there. I think Tyler Boyd's a forgotten guy. He's really comfortable. He's been really comfortable in at that wide receiver three. I think it's been great. I think they use uh, C.J. Uzama, who's going to be playing. I think they use him well. Burrow likes him as a target vertically, uh, in the red zone. Um, obviously had that touchdown against Las Vegas. So I think I think this game will ride a lot on Mixon. I need to see more from Joe Mixon in these playoffs. I haven't really been impressed with what I've seen from him. Uh, granted, they do throw the Their ball. Their offensive a lot. line's so bad, though. It is bad, but I mean, <laughs> listen, uh, he's. He, I mean, he was the top. Easily a top five rusher though in the league this year. My number two, and number even the passing is a problem because obviously Joe was sacked nine times against Tennessee. So I think either way you look at it, the offense finally is going to be in trouble. I hope they get Mixon involved more. But that being said, I like how the offense is kind of formed, and and everyone's kind of embraced their role. Everyone has these roles that make a lot of sense for them. For the Rams, I just it concerns me a little bit with Stafford's ability. Or his want to throw the ball to Cooper Cup every time. I think it hurt him on the fr- on uh, his first interception against San Francisco. Cup runs this slant I- inside, and and it was it ultimately was a pick by Ward, but he wasn't open. But Stafford, I mean, he was only looking really there. So I- I'm concerned that you know if he's not working. Granted, they got OBJ involved. I just worry about. Like these other guys stepping up, and I know OBJ probably can, but I just think it's been the Cooper Cup show all season long, and that the Bengals are really going to try to take that away.
1: It's going to be Bates and hopefully not well, Apple. Hopefully Ryan it's a, Woozie. Woozie a Yeah. Just following him around all night.
2: So I got to take the Bengals because I just love the transformation of the team throughout the year. 27 to 24, I'm taken Cincinnati.
1: We should ask Newman who he had. Imagine a clean sweep in the Super Bowl.
0: I mean, I think – I forget. I was talking to my roommates and looking at Vegas. I think 61% of the money is on the Bengals this week, which for a Super Bowl is pretty crazy.
1: Yeah. Uh, Should we give bold takes now?
0: Yeah, I think that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Um, I can go first. My bold take, Joe Burrow with no interceptions, and Joe Mixon has over 100 scrimmage yards.
2: Dan, go for it.
0: I was trying to think of one earlier, and the first thing that popped in my head, and it doesn't seem like a bold take, but it's definitely a bold take <laughs> given how the playoffs have gone. I'm going to say Joe Burrow. He has 300 yards. He's going to have three touchdowns. He's not going to get sacked. That's why wow. the- wow. he's not going to get sacked. <laughs> I think the Bengals play lights out. Everyone's shitting on this offensive line. I think he's going to get the ball out quick. He's going to make plays, and he's not going to get sacked.
1: That would be insanely impressive against this front seven.
0: I agree. And listen, I'm not going to discredit the Rams, but at got to got to be bold. And biggest game of the year. Yeah. This line's got to figure it out, and I think they can.
2: For me, I got one that I feel pretty good in, and I got one complete reach that's probably unrealistic, but I could totally envision it happening. Uh, firstly, Joe Mixon. I think this is a big game for Joe Mixon. I think he wins Super Bowl MVP. I think he has 150 plus yards, uh, from scrimmage. I think he gets a touchdown or two. That's my feel for Mixon. Uh, I might bet that. Um, as far as my other one goes, I'm going to say Cooper cup gets three touchdowns, all three touchdowns with the Rams score. I think we'll go to him. I just, he's proven it all year long that he's unstoppable. And I, I do think he will be tough to contain. Yeah. Everyone's had a hard time containing him, so I'll say Mixon, 150 plus a touchdown or two, uh, and then three touchdowns for Cooper Cup is my reach. That would be
0: extremely wild.
1: I'd still give I'd give Cooper Cup the MVP even if they lost with three toddies. That probably that's probably 200 yards and three touchdowns, probably 12, 11 catches. Yeah, That'd be an absolute insane day. All right, let's move on to coaching grades, and then uh, we'll wrap up. It's going to be a bit of a shorter pod, but as the NFL season winds down, not much else to talk about, I suppose. We'll uh, we'll do a episode next week recapping this game, and then we'll probably switch over to the once every two weeks for yep. the off season. So enjoy gridiron while you got it. <laughs> uh, as for coaching hires, uh, the first one I have on my list that I texted to Dan with these wonderful notes that he told me he just didn't need. Uh, (laughs) First one I have is Dennis Allen in New Orleans. Um, We'll just go around the table, me, Evan, Dan. Uh, I gave Dennis Allen a B. I like the hire. He's been there for a while. He knows the roster. My concern is the offense, uh, the quarterback situation specifically, and now Alvin Kamara with uh, some certain legal trouble headed his way what that's going to look like also Michael Thomas was maybe gonna did he
0: request a trade or there was a rumor that he wanted to be traded this offseason there's like a rumor but he's been out with an injury I just don't think there's been anything on that front
1: uh and just the cap I mean this team it's dreadful we've we looked at our uh offseason simulation and Evan has some serious work on his hands with the New Orleans Saints so I like Dennis Allen. I don't know how much success he's going to have, so I gave it a B.
2: I gave Dennis Allen a D plus. Um, <laughs> it was one of my lower ones. Jesus, I just thought it was kind of an uninspiring hire. I mean, you go from Sean Payton, who is fantastic, to a guy who I think he's a great coordinator, but I don't. I just don't see him as a head coach. Uh, really, in the league, he had a shot in uh, for at the time. I think they were still Oakland, obviously. And um, wasn't inspiring. Got fired pretty quickly. Um, three years. Th- three years. Um, again, I just thought there were better guys out there. And I don't know. If, I don't know how he is a, as a leader. I, I, you know, I'm not obviously in the locker room, but I, I don't know. He just seems to be better in a coordinator role. So that's why I give it a D plus. And he probably won't have much success. <laughs> God rest his soul. Um, I
0: give this an A minus. Wow. Um, well, you, you said that they should look for him if they, if Payton goes, so. Oh yes. So just from, I guess, a front office standpoint, your, your coach retires late in the hiring process, or at least the interview process that a lot of these teams had to go through. So a lot of these candidates are already in late stages with other teams. So you're behind the eight ball. What does that really leave leave you with that kind of leaves you with what's on your roster or on your coaching staff, I guess. And if you look at Dennis Allen, I mean, this defense has played phenomenal the past couple of years. Um, and that has to be a credit to Dennis Allen. Um, the The game that Sean Payton was out with COVID, he, he did a fantastic job uh, against the Miami Dolphins. Um, and I think really, when you look at it, um, who they kind of came down to, I know Brian Flores was in the mix, but it just seems like that wasn't going to happen as we've kind of talked about. Um, so I think the next best guy was Dennis Allen. I mean, just give this guy a shot. Uh, You're kind of going into a weird patch with your, your cap. You're probably going to see a lot of star players leave. Um, And I think having a guy that's already been in that locker room knows the players um, is the right guy to weather this storm. Um, I mean, you're probably not going to have a lot of superstars. Like I said, you're going to have a lot of these practice squad guys that have already been in new Orleans that no one else knows. Why not get the guy that already knows who they are, knows how to manage this locker room, Um, the whole Kamara situation. I think having Dennis Allen, is really going to help the Saints team in the long term.
2: I, I think you bring up some, some really good points. My only thing was, and, and I can be totally wrong here, and it, when Sean Payton had COVID this year um, and he – They got fucking demolished coach. on Thanksgiving. Well, no, I'm thinking of when they played Tampa Bay. Uh-oh. They won 9-0, right? But they did not – Dennis Allen was not the interim. They, they made some other random guy the interim, which I was kind of surprised to to hear about. Because I was like, well, why would you not pick Dennis Allen if Sean Payton has COVID? It was this random dude with glasses. I was like, mm. who the fuck is this guy?
0: <laughs> you may He's be like, right on, 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 on or be, something. Yeah, I may be completely bogus with thinking that, but – so
2: that, that me, that was just the red flag I had. I'm like, well, why would they not make him? That is strange.
0: Yeah. I still that's... like the hire for the reasons of the whole locker room aspect of it. And yeah. It's late in the process. You kind of yeah. have to go with what you got.
1: I agree, Dan. Uh, moving on. I fucking closed out my notes like a dipshit. Now <laughs> I can't find my text with Dan. Uh, well, that's what searches for. Lost. I'm lost. Dan, here we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, Matt Eberflus in Chicago. Uh, Again, I gave this one a B. I think he was worthy of a hire. I had him going to Miami. I think Miami is probably a better fit. Um, It's like Chicago needed an offensive guy, I think, with the offensive troubles they have. You just drafted Justin Fields. You want him to develop into a superstar like first-round quarterbacks are supposed to do. Uh, so, have they hired an offensive coordinator yet? They did, and that's, Green Bay is a really the guy team. that was going to take Green Bay's job, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a good sign. That's a good sign for Matt Eberflus to be able to lure someone away from an offensive job for the team he already works, offensive coordinator job, for the team he already works with. Uh I think Chicago's defense is going to thrive under him. I have, oh, as wow. I said to Dan, I think Chicago will be a top ten defense next year in pretty much every category. Um I think Chicago could. You know, if everything works out on the offense side of the ball, I think they could sneak out of next year with nine, 10 wins with this team. I think it's a pretty good roster. It should be competitive. I just think Maggie was a disaster.
2: Um, I give it an A minus. Um, I had Ibrufus going here, and I don't really even know why. I I just I think I just like the fit. Um, a lot. I think he's very well respected in the league. He's very smart great defensive mind I don't really necessarily think it's a terrible thing that they hired a defensive-minded coach if you can if you could bring in an offensive coordinator right who was gonna do really well and I think they they had a really good offensive coordinator hire I forget the guy's name but obviously like Colin noted from Green Bay and, who was gonna take the role uh and as Dan said in the chat he was like fuck you before if you're not gonna let me call the plays I'm just gonna leave uh I I, I think him and Justin Fields are gonna have a really good relationship uh I see it really working out for him here, and I agree with you. I think Chicago's going to be good next year. I don't know how good, but I think this was a really good hire and, and one that I liked a lot.
0: Um, I give this a C, and it's purely just based on I think you needed to get an offensive guy to develop Justin Fields. Um, I think that, was, that should have been your number one priority. Um, I know we got the offensive coordinator from Green Bay, but I think there's a lot of candidates out there, offensive minds, that I would have really liked the pairing with Justin Fields trying to develop him as a quarterback, Um, especially in a division that, for now, uh, you have Aaron Rodgers, um, Kirk Cousins is still there, Um, and the Lions, it looks like they could possibly get somebody in the draft that has just as much potential, possibly. Um, So I thought getting the offensive guy to develop Fields was better – it was a better idea than getting a de- defensive guy um, that like, honestly, if you have an offensive head coach, you just go out and get a really good defensive coordinator. You could have brought back like Vic Fangio and your defense is just as good. I don't think your head coach needs to be a defensive guy to have a good defense. So I, I give it a C I'll, I'll wait to see how it looks. I know Eberflus is respected, but I just would have liked an offensive guy.
2: I think the hope is, I think I agree with you know everything you said. Uh, and I-, I, I see your perspective. Uh, I think they hope it's like something almost like a Brandon Staley Herbert type where they hire a defensive coach and you see the quarterback still take off uh, with an offensive coordinator who is pretty good. So I think that's obviously the hope uh, hope there. But I really hope it works out for Justin Fields. Obviously, no one denies the talent. So, yeah.
1: Next up, I have Nathaniel Hackett, who was hired by the Denver Broncos. I gave this one an A minus. I think it's a really good fit. Uh, obviously, an offensive minded guy, the former Green Bay Packers offensive coordinator. This team has a ton of weapons. Denver is a really fun team. I think on both sides of the uh, both sides of the field, on paper, they have three really good receivers, decent offensive line, decent decent defensive line. Uh, I like their secondary a lot. Sertan had a great year. They have a great running back duo. Really, all they're missing is a quarterback. Um, if they're able to find one. I think Hackett could uh, could lead this team to make a push in a very competitive AFC West. It's going to be a very, very tough division. I think the Raiders will probably finish last next year, but Casey and L.A. are not going away anytime soon. So if Denver can find a quarterback that's going to be a three-headed dogfight for the next 10 years.
2: I give it a B. Um, I, I think that Nathaniel Hackett was deserving of a job. I um, had him to Jacksonville. I, I mean, you know, I think you got to get Aaron Rodgers at this point uh, for this to, And I don't want to say for it to be a success, but I think that that, that probably ran through some of these guys' heads. Uh, maybe my grade will change if they do get Rodgers. Uh, because I think that was part of the reason you bring in Nathaniel Hackett, right? To try to draw Aaron Rodgers and to put Denver on his radar. And so it's a B for now. If they do bring in Rogers, that's probably an A, A minus because that was the whole, I think a big reason why they brought him in.
0: Cause they don't want to draft another quarterback, do
2: they? I don't think so.
0: There's really no quarterback that can draft that. I think they have like the ninth or 10th pick. So that's oh. definitely not in their plans, but in terms of Nathaniel Hackett, I give it an A minus. Um, I actually had this predicted in my entire reasoning. I literally had one note and it said, just to get Aaron Rogers. Um, I, 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 like I, this has to be like not saying that he's not deserving of a job, but it's been rumored for a while that Denver maybe has their eyes on Rodgers. You go and get his offensive coordinator. It, it just makes it a perfect fit for if they actually land Aaron Rodgers. And let's just say you don't, you still have a really good offensive mind as your coach. So I, I, li- I like the hire for Denver. Um, and I think it's an aggressive one to try and get a really good quarterback if they can land Rodgers.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Next on the list, Brian Dable in uh, New York with the New York Football Giants, as people call them. I call them ship bags. Uh, I gave this this hire an A minus. Very, very well deserving of a job. I think he's probably the most qualified guy on this list, Um, besides maybe Doug Peterson, since he's won a Super Bowl. Um, But Brian Dable, fantastic or Dable, sorry. Fantastic offensive mind, obviously had a ton of success with Josh Allen. I think, you know, with the GM coming out and saying they're going to stick with Daniel Jones, he's hoping that Dables will be able to work his magic on Daniel Jones. I mean, clearly not the same player right now as Josh Allen, but he was a top five pick in the NFL. Someone clearly saw something in him. He's got to have some talent somewhere. Uh, I hope he's able to bring it out. I think that would be great for New York. Uh, otherwise, I feel pretty bad for him because this is a pretty shitty roster and they're not going to be good for I'd say three to five years if Jones doesn't pan out
2: well I think for me people kind of forget how com- I mean granted the division was terrible that, that year but it the it's, defense though the, the defense was pretty good and, and they it. lost Patrick Graham so that is true that is a valid point um I give it an A I had I had uh Dable going uh, to New York um and part of that was I knew that they had a, a GM job open, and I, I think I s- saw that they were going to try to maybe see see if they could get Buffalo's guy there, which obviously they did, like Colin noted. Um, I think that's kind of a dream off season for them. They, they needed to find some stability. Uh, So I think Dable's going to bring that. I think Brian dable you saw his stock really go up towards the end of the year. Uh, I think it was questionable in the middle. I think we were talking, like, after their loss to the Jaguars, we're like, uh Oh, like, I mean, we're not sure if this guy's going to get a job. Like the offense was struggling for a time. And then obviously we saw Josh Allen down the stretch and, and Josh Allen. I don't want to say he's a similar quarterback to Jones because he's not. He's similar he's, frame he's, though. Similar frame. I almost and, said that. Yeah. And, and, you know, Daniel Jones likes to scramble a lot, uh, likes to run. Um, and I think the hope is that you, like Colin said, you, you want to bring the best out of Daniel Jones. So I think it's a good move to keep him at least for now. Give him another year under this new offense. In this new system, I think Dable's a fantastic offensive of mind. Uh, you know, you saw his interactions with the media; they seem to be really positive. So I, lo- I love it for, for New York.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I gave it an A. Uh, it's the best candidate out there. Um, and I mean, really, the only bad spot on this team is this is the quarterback position, and it's trying to get this offense to work. Um, so you get a guy in Dable, like you said, that's worked with Josh Allen, kind of made him into the quarterback he is today um raw prospect coming out of Wyoming so maybe you can work some magic with Daniel Jones this year and even if not there's a lot of quarterbacks with tools in this draft that you could work with um obviously not immediate starters but um absolutely love the hiring of Brian dayball very deserving as well
1: next up Lovey Smith hired by the Houston Texans this one was a bit of a brain buster um They had a million favorites. None of them were Lovey Smith until about 16 hours before he was hired. (laughs) Uh, So Houston's either great at fucking telling the media fake shit or they just can't make up their minds either way. Did I already say my grade? No C plus. I give it a C plus. Uh, I think Lovey Smith's done a great job rebuilding his image after that terrible Chicago Browns uh, ending for him Uh, had some good success at Illinois. He's been back in the coordinator role. Um, C plus because shout out Houston inclusiveness the only black hire of this round, um, so that's a good thing. <laughs> but like I don't know what the Houston's not going to be good anyway, so it didn't matter who they hired. In, in all honesty, in my opinion,
2: um, no disrespect to Lovey Smith, but I, I just think this was a trash hire. I think it really was a trash hire when you look at Lovey Smith's been around for so long. And when you look at kind of other guys who are out there, even, you know, if we narrow it in, I read a list of African-American, if that's the route that they want to go. I I set a list of at least 10 guys who I would probably hire over Lovey Smith. You know, you fire Cully, right? And if you're going to fire Cully, you got to think you're bringing in someone who's going to really make an impact and kind of like – bring in this new culture, maybe like a Flores or, you know, a Bi, mean, I I don't know, just to name a few examples. Um, and they keep a guy who's been in-house, like.
1: Under Cully? Why'd you even fire
2: Cully at that point? Right. So it's a D for me. I just don't like it at all.
0: Um, I'm very conflicted on this. So I did give it a D plus. I think I'm going to change it to a C minus. Um, we also got to look at who their GM is. It's Nick Casario. He comes from New England. And what does New England do? They hire from within. This is what they do, it's what they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Brian Flores was ever going to happen after the whole lawsuit thing came out. I don't think any owner was going to allow that to happen, even if they were a finalist for the GM. I just don't think that would happen. So really, you're just down to what is Jonathan Gannon and Josh? We should Brown. not be hired.
2: Yeah. Neither of those
0: guys can be head coaches right now. So you do your whole search, you get down to these three guys you're not really impressed with any of them. I mean, you might as well go with the guy kind of like Dennis Allen that's already in house already knows the players. It's late in the process. Um, And let's like this Houston, I, (laughs) I said in the middle of the season, they're a good, bad, good, bad team, which makes no sense, but it was a bad team that was just playing better than they should be. And I think a lot of that was their defense and what lovey Smith was able to do. Um, I I do think lovey Smith, like, honestly, Kind of deserving to be a head coach, I feel. Maybe there's a lot more candidates, but I'm okay with him. He he was an NFL coach. He did have success at times. I'm not I'm not upset by I guess the hiring of Levy Smith, but more the process is why my grade is so low.
1: So you make a good case, Stan. Uh, next up, Mike McDaniel hired from San Francisco uh, to Miami. He also just hired Wes Welker as their new wide receivers coach Uh, that just broke a minute ago, stealing him from San Francisco. So Mm -hmm. Shanahan now on the lookout for both an offensive coordinator and a new wide receivers coach. Uh, I gave this one a B plus. I think it's a really good hire for Tua. Um, Obviously San Francisco's offense is relatively simple. Um, You've seen kind of like a middle of the road, Jimmy G have some success in this system. Uh, I think Tua, Kind of tops out as a middle of the road quarterback, but he had some good games down the stretch. And obviously, Miami won a lot to end the year. And Tua, I think, was a big part of that. He, he didn't turn the ball over as much. He was making better plays. Um, they have some good weapons on this team. I believe Will Fuller, I know Will Fuller is a free agent. Uh, I believe Devontae Parker is as well. But they still have Jalen Waddle, still have Mike Esecki, decent offensive line, and I like the defense. So I think there's some pieces here. I think maybe mcdaniel is a little confusing but he comes from shanahan he's obviously intelligent so i think it makes a lot of sense to just set to up in a system that he can succeed in if i'm mcdaniel though i don't know if i even want this job with steven fucking dumbass ross my owner
2: yeah um i gave it a c plus um I think part of it is I would have liked to see them hire a more experienced candidate. Maybe someone who's had a head coaching job in the past. Um, for me, it was just like with, with everything going on with the team right now and the owner, I would have liked to see, I guess, like a little stability. Uh, maybe, like I said, someone who's kind of been around the block before, uh, you know, this guy's what 30 something like he's fucking young.
1: Like well, people are considering Kellen Moore too.
2: That's true. I mean, you know, I I think he, Shanahan deserves more. Like he he should be the one getting all the like most of the credit here. I think McDaniel, you know, is good, but I think you know teams see what the Niners did and it, with you know Debo and stuff. And it's like oh, you're just dying to get that guy under Shanahan when it's like I don't know. Maybe give him like another year. I just I was surprised to see him get this job because I didn't think he was even going to be considered. when we did our preview, I didn't think his name was even in anything.
0: Yeah. Um, I give this a C minus. I don't really like the hire. Um, I'm a big Kyle Shanahan guy, but like you said, this offense was completely like the Niners offense was completely the responsibility of Kyle Shanahan. Um, obviously Mike McDaniels offense coordinator has responsibilities in the offense, but I, I I'm giving the entire responsibility to Kyle Shanahan. Um, I just – no hire you could have made in this process unless you went out and got, like, the enemy or somehow got Brian Dable down to Miami was going to make up for the firing of Brian Flores. So, to go and get Mike McDaniel, who a lot of people didn't even think would get interviews at the start of this process, it, it's just, I think, lackluster. Um, and I, I don't know. I just don't – I just don't like the hire. I agree. You
1: make a good point with the replacing Flores. I didn't really consider that uh, in my grade. Maybe I'll have to bump it down to a B. Um, next on the list, three more here. Kevin O'Connell in Minnesota. I give this one an A. I like this fit a lot. I wanted Kevin O'Connell to get a job. I didn't predict he would. Um, I wanted him to be hired. I thought Chicago would have been a great fit with Fields. Um but regardless, Minnesota's offense is so explosive. They have so many weapons. I think he's going to have a lot of fun with this team. On the offensive side of things, if they can bring in a good defensive mind to shore up this defense, which was absolutely pathetic last year, uh, I think Minnesota could be in the running in the NFC North, especially if Rodgers does leave Green Bay. I'd say they're the instant favorites to win the division. Uh, I like Kevin Connell's mind. I think Kirk had a great year this year, very underrated year. Um And I still think he's got a couple reasonably good years in the tank. So I think this is a good hire by Minnesota. And he comes from McVay, so.
2: I gave it an A as well. I love it. I think it's probably behind Dable, probably the second best head coaching hire. Just when you you look at the situation, as Colin noted, I mean, with all these weapons in Minnesota, I think he's going to have a lot to work with, which I think, you know, the situation matters too for me. And it was nice to see them steer away from Zimmer, uh, who was fucking there way too long. That's yeah. another conversation. I believe eight years What a joke. But they finally went with an offensive mind, which is what they fucking needed. The defense will be good. I don't know if they hired a defensive coordinator, but I still think that they have a lot of pieces there. Daniil Hunter will be back healthy next year. You know, hopefully, you know, Harrison Smith won't get COVID. They can figure out the cornerbacks. Um, but Kendricks is a fucking stud. You know, Barr is really good. So for me, this is a team they, that's going to compete for the division title under uh, O'Connell next year. Great hire.
1: Did they miss Michael Pierce all year
0: too? Yes, he didn't play. He opted out, I think. So love it. Um, I give it a B. Um, I I think I just like offensive coordinators actually call plays, and obviously Sean McVay calls the plays. Kind of similar to Mike McDaniel not calling the plays. It's Kyle Shanahan. Um, I definitely like, I think Kevin O'Connell more than Mike McDaniel. Um, I think he's been in the role a little longer. Um, not too long, obviously, cause it, I believe Zach Taylor was the offensive coordinator before him. So I, I guess I like it because it's not that schematically different, uh, in Minnesota when you're trying to compare the offense, uh, there as, uh, is, as it is in LA. So, I do like it for Kirk Cousins' sake, but I don't know how much longer you're going to have him. I think they only have him for really one more year. I don't think they'll give him another contract. Um, so I don't know. It, it's a decent hire, but I, I think you could have done better.
1: Um, just to clarify, Zach Taylor was actually never the offensive coordinator. He was a QB <laughs> coach before he was hired. Wow. I remembered him being the QB coach. Wow. Um, yeah. That's all on O'Connell. Moving on, Doug Peterson, Dan's beloved uh, former Eagles head coach, hired by the Jacksonville Jaguars. I gave this one a B plus. I think it's a great hire for Jacksonville. Obviously, Peterson, an offensive mind. You hope he can uh, work out Trevor Lawrence's kinks, so to speak, after his rookie season was, uh, in my opinion, extremely mediocre and rather discouraging. Um, but regardless of that, my real question here is why does Doug Peterson want this job, right? I mean, it's an ugly, ugly, ugly roster. I don't like the GM at all. Uh it's like a Jacksonville's kind of a shitty place to live. It's hot all the time. People are gross in Florida. Um I don't know. I, I don't want, I wouldn't want this job if I was Doug Peterson, but I think it's a great fit for the Jaguars. Um that's why I give it a B plus.
0: I give it a quickly before you know, go, you know, Evan. Um yep. I would say he took this job because it is a job. I don't know if he That's had true. any other <laughs> That's true.
1: <laughs> That's true as well.
0: Uh, I get a plus
2: two um, for a couple of reasons. One, I think I would have liked to see him go with someone else. Obviously, um, fuck, I, I wanted them to get Hackett. If not Hackett, Left I know Witch. you two had Leftwich, so I think you don't get Left Witch, You He wants to bring in his own guy, which – you know, I get Dan's argument that he, he mentioned of, like, yeah, you're a, you're going to be a rookie head coach. But I think it's, like, nobody fucking likes Trent Bulky. Like, Khan needs to fucking grow a set of balls and maybe take a risk for once in his life. I know he's probably had money and hasn't had to take any. But, uh, you know, so that, that to me kind of hurts this a little bit because it was rumored that Leftwood was going there anyway. And, and, obviously, to have that fall through is really – you know, frustrating, I'm sure, for Jaguars fans, given he played quarterback there. Uh, that being said, I think Peterson will do a lot for Lawrence. But, again, I just – it wasn't – it was probably planned two or three for them, and the GM's still there, so.
0: Um, I'm going to give this an A-. minus. Um, as much as towards the end of his tenure with the Eagles, uh, Doug Peterson just wasn't that good of a coach – Um, I I like it from the standpoint of he's able to develop Trevor Lawrence. Um, again, you have that young, uh, quarterback, go get him a coach that's had success in the league. Um, I mean, this is a guy that was able to take Nick Foles in and kind of turn him into a Super Bowl champion, uh, quarterback kind of real quick late in the season. Um, so I can only imagine what he does with an off season, um, with Trevor Lawrence and getting him ready for another year. Yes, Jacksonville's going to be bad, but I think we're going to see a much better performance from Trevor Lawrence uh, with Doug Pearson as his head coach. So I like it. I'll give it an A minus.
1: Last head coach hiring before we wrap up is Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas. I gave this one a B minus. Kind of uninspiring to me. Uh, it's just like, what's Josh McDaniels' resume look like without Tom Brady is my question. Offense was pretty good this year. Running game was obviously strong. And you have Drake and Jacobs so you hope he utilizes them like he utilizes the backs in New England Um, but it's like the passing attack was iffy Uh, I think Derek Carr has some limitations just like Mac Jones does so and also his tenure as Denver Broncos head coach was pretty ugly so I get McDaniels has been a contender for head coaching job for a long time now but I just don't think he's going to be that great of a head coach. I don't think he does much for the Patriots in terms of leadership. I think that all falls to Bill Belichick um, and, and even former players like Gerard Mayo, I think have a lot of leadership in that, that locker room. So to me, it's just like, eh, whatever. It, it's decent hire. Like he's a smart offensive mind, but I just wonder, like, you look at like Eric bien I don't know. I'd take probably bien over McDaniels. I take, I don't know.
2: Yeah. No, I completely agree. I give it a C. I think it's fucking brutally boring. Yeah. It's brutally so boring. boring. Like I, there's just something about it that I'm like, yo, come on, like for Rich Piscotia to be let go, you know, after the great work that he did for the team, kind of even the culture that he built um, after all that went wrong and to write every individual player, a hand note letter and for the players to want him back and then for ownership to just kind of dismiss that to me I think is really a, a tragic thing uh, because I don't think any other coach in that role uh, having to take over for Gruden and then the rug situation I don't think any coach could do it better uh, you know when you place an interim uh, tag on somebody you give them the opportunity to win the job and I think Rich won the job based on his performance uh, you know in that game against Cincinnati in the playoffs like it looked like they were out of it, but then they, ne- they never gave up. Like there was a fight with that team. I think McDaniels, it's just, it's underwhelming. It really is to me. I, I agree hundred percent with you, Colin.
0: I slightly agree. Um, I think really what this comes down to, um, obviously I think Josh McDaniels, I, I do think he is a qualified candidate to be a, a head coach. I mean, he's been in interviews for years now. Um, so not surprised that he finally gets a job, but um, the story of the Raiders this year is just kind of how undisciplined this culture was. Um, and so for the, your GM spot, you go out and get Dave Ziegler who was from the Patriots. And then obviously he goes and gets his guy, Josh McDaniels. I think these two bring in a culture, not of discipline, but we're not going to be seeing players driving 150 miles an hour in, in at three in the morning in Las Vegas. We're just not going to see that. Um, with Josh McDaniels and kind of this New England presence, I guess, in Las Vegas. Um, I think this is just a complete culture reset. Uh, Yes, Rich uh, Basaka, or however you pronounce it, um, he was a really good coach, was a really good motivator for this team. Um, I just think ownership, they wanted to see a reset of culture. Um, He still was part of Gruden's staff. Um, I think they just really wanted to turn the page. And I give this a B. Uh, Again, I think he's qualified. I think it will bring a good culture to Las Vegas. Um, maybe you get more out of Derek Carr, but, um, yeah.
1: That's all I got on the agenda. Anything else to add?
0: No, not Nada.
1: So. all right. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Uh, should be a wonderful game and we'll see you next week.
0: Later. I will say, hold on before oh. we leave. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Next Good week enough, we could see if Evan has a tattoo or not.
1: Yes. I totally forgot you could have a Rams tattoo. You no,
2: know, I didn't bring it up on purpose.
1: Where are you going to get it?
2: I'm crossing the bridge when I get there.
1: Where are you going to get it? I think Again, the base of your dick. I'm
2: crossing.
1: I think the base of
2: oh No girl's ever <laughs> going to see that. She'll be like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, but no, uh, I'll cross that bridge when I get there and I'll need to talk with my mother. <laughs> That'll be a fun conversation.
1: Right? Mom, I made a dumb bet. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll see you next week. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Be responsible.
0: Peace. Later. Put your tears away. No fear today. You can drive off towards that
1: summertime sunset. It's what you've waited. take the keys, leave the regrets. Write your letters, place your bets. I'll be the one who says.